Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge, one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. And I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy Carpot. And this new season is initiating with the... Well, season interim, let's uh, say. uh, Whatever this is, uh, we are discussing the hot... Uh, double feature that is sweeping the nation. Sweeping the world, Wickham. Sweeping every which way you look, Barbenheimer. Yes. Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan. Both released the same weekend in July um, with much fanfare and ballyhooing from all corners of the internet, for sure. And holy crow, the box office really came through. Yeah, and both of them. As we sit here, it's in. It's been about almost a month since its release. Um, it Barbie is now the third highest grossing film of all time in Great Britain. Um, it has crossed a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it's it's an absolute phenomenon. I have to say, I predicted this. <laughs> I hate to toot my own horn, but I said before it came out, this is going to be the biggest movie of the summer, and I do feel like not the Flash. Well, well, I mean, there were other contenders. You have to be yes. honest. There was the Indiana Jones. Certainly was the most interesting contender. Barbie? I will acknowledge that. Like, the, oh. the summer was a bunch of, like, sequels and things that no one really wanted. Yeah. Did the, anyone, we, we have not done our summer rundown episode yet, but did anyone really want a Haunted Mansion movie? Probably not. Uh, well, in summer, yeah, well, yeah. That, well, that's another example. sort of strategy we might discuss. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but Barbie, Barbie emerged as this kind of oh, this will be an exciting new sort of voice in this sort of blockbuster scene, almost. Yeah, yeah well, but new in one way because it's not like it's a sequel to an existing Barbie universe. Although there is, well, Greta let Gerwig, me tell I was you. thinking specifically. Well, but. yes, Ger- Gerwig, of course, is a known property and has done quite well for herself as a director, as a performer, as you know, this very multi-talented uh, figure um, since since her early twenties. Really, I mean, so she's really established herself. Uh, we've talked about Gerwig before um, yes. in our episode on Saoirse Ronan. We talked about um, Lady Bird. Um, we, w- we will talk in our summer rundown about Little Women, which I managed to catch up on. So everything is coming up, Gerwig. Um, she was looking at this, according to an interview, I believe, with the New York Times. She was looking at this movie as an opportunity to essentially make bigger movies. Yeah. Make not so m- many indie darlings, but mm-hmm. full large scale and i don't think she would necessarily say blockbusters all the time no one wants to immediately make blockbusters all the time probably it sounds like a stressful nightmare but um (laughs) dealing with mattel but certainly making bigger films than she was known for sure her mumblecore roots and what mumblecore was teeny tiny and she wasn't in charge back then i mean little women was a pretty serious production yes uh, i I really was out of the loop on that i don't know if it was nominated for a bunch of awards i know lady bird was for a bunch too okay Mm -hmm. lady bird i knew was pretty hot but i didn't know about yeah no barbie yeah so i mean it is it's original enough to count as original to Hollywood. Yes, and that's but very depressing. It's it's an it's an incredibly <laughs> low bar. I mean, the, you you are not a parent of um of girls. No, um, and and Atlas is he into you know, Barbie dolls. dolls stuff like that? I mean, would he he's watch into this cars, stuff? Colleen. Oh yeah, okay. So he's so he, he's not pulling he's very any stereotypical, right? Right. Now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have very, very, two very stereotypical. Girls as well who have been begging me to see Barbie, and we've not done so for 
reasons that we can get into. Gynecologist um, jokes. That, well, yeah. the, just the jokes, yeah. I mean, it's... Um, anyway, there is a whole universe of animated Barbie properties. Right, right, right. There's like, what is I've it? Seen Barbie the those, Dream. I, I will never get these titles right, but there is a television series. There is a series of special movies. There are the tie-in toys that go with the movies. Dreamtopia is the only one I can ever remember. Um, I, ironically, mermaids. I ironically watched a merb, like the beginning of a mermaid one. Yeah, it was I really mean, bad. The animation quality is yes. abysmal, but there are so many of them. And, and I have to say, it is, you know, as a parent now in my early 40s, remembering what Barbie was in mm-hmm. the 80s and what the movie does a really good job of channeling is sort of what the this teenager comes out and says like aren't you <laughs> like giving girls a very bad body image and you know just basically trotting out all the old saws to sort of slam uh barbie's social position apparently that speech in particular greta gerwig had to fight mattel for the idea of calling barbie a fascist oh well but then it leads to that fantastic, like, I don't control the means of production. Yes. I'm not in charge of the railway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like, like I this the very clinical dictionary definition of what a fascist is. <laughs> so um, great. It was great. That was very funny. That whole bit was very, very funny. Um, it was, yes. Yeah. And I want to say right off the bat with Barbie, like you often say, Colleen, with much derision in your tone, that uh, something is not my target demographic you are not the target i am not the target demographic excuse me and i some would probably say barbie i'm not in the target demographic Mm. i i don't know we'll we'll talk about that i have no idea um (laughs) but maybe with the ken stuff i don't know but like i i want to be clear i was very snippy about barbie going into barbie yeah, a little bit. I have no memory whatsoever of you being snippy about so, Barbie. But I want to say in my heart of hearts, part of the reason I was snippy is I thought I would really probably like it and it would be it would be fun. And I was just being kind of contrarian because it was fun to be contrarian. But I also acknowledge that it was a huge brand and that often scares me. Um, huge brands, even though when they I, make movies, even or just in general, I, I'm gonna watch a lot of Disney stuff, and I was at Disney the summer. Ah, I, I you're still recovering. <laughs> I see. Still, yes, it's, it was tough. <laughs> it's gonna take a year to come down off of that branding episode. Point being, yes. um, I, I ultimately thought I would enjoy it, and I have to say, with Barbie, I was a bit more mixed on it than I thought I would be. Hmm. Um, I, I think fundamentally, and I think where most people kind of are positive on it, and I would agree with this, is that it's a consistently funny comedy. And f- fundamentally, as a genre film, you know, you get what you pay for. Like, it, it has different flavors of humor, and some of which work better than others, but there's some phenomenally funny concepts oh, that yeah. we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other things about it, and the thing that I was sort of snippy about, this brand notion that I felt like I I was more aware of watching the film than I thought I would be. Um, I have the utmost respect for Greta Gerwig. I have the utmost respect for uh, her collaborator in this, Noah Baumbach. I, I really enjoy Margot Robbie in the movie. I really enjoy Ryan Gosling in the movie. Um, I have... Uh, you know, crushes on both of those actors. Um, but I, I just... As a result of the movie, no doubt. Well, Drive and a Wolf of Wall Street, but that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> right. Point being, um, I th- there were so many components of it that I really enjoyed, but I mm-hmm. just, I 
I, I, there were things that I found very problematic from a from a corporate infrastructure. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, level. Yeah, Mattel's and, fingerprints are all over this, and and that I I found very frustrating because the going back to what we were just saying, the fascist joke mm-hmm. is a great joke. It's a great that that whole bit, and it and is. I was and I was so happy to see that. And there were so many moments, like the whole opening, I just had a huge smile on my face the entire time. This sort of nonsense, meta, grotesque. Someone called it a Andy Kaufman, um, it had an Andy Kaufman quality. And that opening sort of does. It doesn't That's quite- That's not ha- wrong, yeah. After a while, it. it kind of loses It that, does, yeah. But yeah. just the surreal nature of a Barbie world yeah. um, was great. Yeah. Um, but uh, what did you before I get into my snippy, you know, negative thoughts? What did you <laughs> no, think? No, I have a feeling we're um, we're closer in opinion on this movie than you, you're probably thinking. Oh, fantastic! Okay. I, I agree. Like the highs are amazing. Yes, the jokes are incredible and just and when really, they land, yeah, <laughs> and, and just and and you know she clearly Gre- Gre- Greta Gerwig obviously understands how girls actually play with barbies yes. <laughs> i mean that that element of play that is in the script that is in what we see that is in the set design is so evident and so loving um that i think i mean there what's what i think is incredible is that it manages to feel uh, genuine despite being rather over the top and it doesn't feel like yes. that love was inserted to compensate for stuff like the fascist joke <laughs> you know? it 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 really does feel like a movie that was made much more on her terms than anyone else's terms even if you can see around the, the edges negotiation. where yes negotiation really would have taken place i would agree with that yeah. that, that that it was like there's a liberating quality to just like oh i can do all this stuff and and the yeah. and the idea of making a big budget movie i mm-hmm. think she also mentioned in some interview that she really gravitated towards or maybe you were telling me gravitated towards all the failed barbie stuff yes like the history of <laughs> yeah this. yeah yes and, yeah and that and that and that kind of research and that kind of reverence yes. for that yes is, is very infectious she yes it's a little bit overly um, well, there are parts of it. Yeah, there are parts well. of it that are overly rel- rev. Uh, uh, I'm gonna mess up this word now because um, you just said it. Reverent. Reverent. Thank you. Overly reverent of the brand history, which will which pivots into which, the other stuff. Yes. Which which is the the which brings it to its real fatal flaws, and that yes. is like the film just comes screeching to a halt. Yes. At multiple points. Yes. And it is always over brand history, mm-hmm. and I think it's sort of. Gerwig going out on a limb a little bit structurally because I think she wants those moments to 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 have some sort of emotional wallop to them, but everything else has to stop in order to try for it. And it, I mean, for me, it's like a hit and a miss. Yes, and a ve- and, and a lot of criticism has even parsed forth, some of the yeah. dialogue here. And I mean, th- there's been a lot of good criticism about Barbie. I have to say, a lot of um, kind of. Criticism from you know, there's the you know the anti woke right has its opinion about Barbie, which oh, we can whatever. very safely dismiss. Um, I bet they're just they're just obsessed with their horses. Sure, but but it's but at, at, on the other side, you've got I think was it Katha Pollitt who said this is the most overtly feminist film ever made, and it's like no, <laughs> wow. I mean, like people who are like 
basically professional feminists coming out that hard for Barbie smacks of disingenuousness. Well, I can mean, I it's, say, on the, I mean, on it's the, not. On I mean, the, there are feminist moments. Yes. Can there I, are things that, that really do hit in that way. But on the whole, it is still a corporate exercise. It's can I compliment you for a second? So much. Can I compliment you for a second? For the rest of the podcast. Okay. Him, okay. Well, that's the whole point of this. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, something that you've said to me fairly recently, I think it was the JLo episode, has stuck with me. Which is this notion of not taking things for granted. Mm. And so while I agree with Specifically you, with women's representation yes, on screen. Yes. Yes. So while I don't enjoy in Hustlers, for example, the fact that the 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 banter feels a little forced. Yes. And I can't get as invested in it because I They're can all sort of, getting together for Christmas. Yes. I you said don't take it for granted that you're seeing yes. this on the screen. And yes. I think that and I and I agree with that. Yes. And and so part of me with Barbie, I agree. It's not the I, I'm I'm not, you know, an authority on feminism. I did recently I I'd like to give little TED talks on um post feminism because I find that concept fascinating. I don't uh, know why. Post anything is a dicey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I enjoy how dicey it is to discuss it, but um post colonialism. <laughs> Post theory, um, uh, but yeah. but I, I mean obviously you know I'm I'm for the message that is predominantly in Barbie, which is that the the great speech that uh, America, America Ferrara gives yes. that everyone is sort of citing, and yes. that and that is no no one could foresee that to be in a big budget, highest exactly. grossing film. Yes, over the summer. exactly. So exactly. is it a little forced? Probably. Is it? Is it? You know? Is it a? Is it an applaud moment in the theater? Maybe. But it is also something that we just don't hear yeah. or see. Yes. And with this many eyes on it, right. and so I do not take that for granted. Yes. Thank you, Wickham. Yes. That's yes. I thought of that as well, actually. It's like, and it's on the big screen, right. and this is the point. And somebody gave her a decent budget to Oppenheimer put it there. did not have such a moment. Oppen, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're not quite ready to give know, it to Oppenheimer yet. Um, there are things in Oppenheimer. But my yeah. point is, um, I appreciated that. And so yes. I agree, yeah, it's not the most famous thing. It's nice that that is in there. Yes, I mean the feminist highs are really yes. quite striking. In you know, as you're saying, like it, the, the, we should not lose sight of the fact that this is in a in the summer's biggest movie. Yes, it has become incontestably the summer's biggest movie yes. amidst steep competition. Um, it's it's fantastic. So it's uh, so yeah. Um, some other touches that I think are. Um, Maybe less discussed because again, like I think there's a lot of good criticism about Barbie. I feel like I'm rehashing a lot of the stuff that's out there. Um, why did I not take my daughters to see it? Well, <laughs> this again is sort of the personal anecdote here. So the marketing for Barbie, which we should discuss, the marketing was everywhere. Now you and I were both in the states for a couple weeks before the movie had come out. Every time a screen was turned on, every time you opened any sort of social media. Barbie, 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 Barbie. I mean, it was like um, <laughs> you, you've seen the the second. Speaking of Disney, the second Winnie the Pooh, where you know Winnie the Pooh is just hungry, and everybody starts saying "Honey, honey, honey." Yes, it was, it yes. was like this with Barbie. Every I like know exactly pink, what you're referencing. Let's say pink washing. Yes. And then, Barbie, 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 Barbie. Don't Barbie my Barbie, Barbie. Like that. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. But some of the stuff was really like, like the boxes. You could, there were Barbie boxes. Yes, in I posed some in theaters. one. Yes. You, yeah, your theater had, we had like a poster with like balloons. <laughs> it was 
it was um it was rather pitiful compared to a lot of what other places had uh, but you know the boxes the sort of big you know yes. pano style um like billboards even or you could pose with barbie or pose with ken and like just these different panoramas so i mean they really went all out there are places where they painted bus benches barbie pink because barbie pink is like a pantone you know trademarked color there is barbie pink you Jeez. can look it up so i mean there is all this brand leverage that was used in really creative ways. Everybody who was in charge of that marketing campaign deserves a raise, deserves to work for the rest of their careers in comfort and style and with as much creative leeway as you can possibly give them because, I mean, they really pulled out all the stops. And that alone, it was, was it over the top? Sure. Was it overkill? Well, it turns out it wasn't because, again, they won in the end. It's really easy to look back on that and say, oh, it seemed like so much. But you know what? It got the message out and people put their butts in seats in theaters and are continuing to do so. I think I think Repeat it's... viewings of Barbie are up. Yes. On average. I mean, it's... Which I can't... I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to rush to the Well, theater. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, so all of this stuff came out and of course I have my two daughters and they're Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. It started to sound like its own you know, yeah. sort of thing. And I'm thinking, I can't promise them this. It is rated PG-13. And it's it's one of those things like... Very calculated. Well, it is. And my, my elder child is going to be 10. And she can handle a lot. Um, it's the younger child who is six. I'm thinking like... What what's going on with this movie? And can I take them to this movie? I mean, I'm not against this in principle or anything, but I, I told my husband, well, my mother. <laughs> so one of the things that they did for this, and you've seen the, this issue, you know, my, my girls conned my mother into buying them the Barbie like preview magazine for 14 US dollars. I cannot believe how expensive this was, but it was sitting there at the grocery checkout. And so they managed to get my, because my mother apparently, you know, my elder child gave it to her and she flipped it open. Oh, look, I had that Barbie when I was a girl. Sure, we can buy this, honey. <laughs> so she worked over her $14 for this magazine, which I had just refused the day before because I was like, $14, I'm not spending money on this. And again, I didn't want to promise that we could go see it. I'm right, trying right. to, you, you wanted you know, to downplay it. Yeah. Exactly. I wanted to resist. And so I had to, I had to talk with my mother after the girls went to bed. I said, listen. Yeah, my husband and I will go and see this. We'll check it out and then we'll see. And if it's okay, then you can take the girls and you can have your Barbie moment as well because they've been going to the movies with other stuff. They saw Little Mermaid, um, which they the girls especially enjoyed. Um, they saw what else did they see? Uh, my girls wanted to see Ruby Cr Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken, which apparently bombed terribly at the box office, but they enjoyed it. Um, they, you know, they had their own movie agenda and Barbie was on it, but we had to, we went to see it and. Yeah, I mean, we were messaging with Tylon earlier, and he said, oh, yeah, there's nothing really offensive, and he was right. I mean, it's not like it's graphic or violent or anything like this, but the dialogue and the construction of the plot, so much depends on a rather sophisticated level of experience with patriarchy, and it's like... Who man? Like I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to them watching this. And there is a lot of the sort of candy colored and the you know the the Barbie mm -hmm. land, the, the houses and everything that I think they would thoroughly enjoy. I, mean, I saw girls their age going into theaters sh showing Barbie, but I just I can't get over the like they're going to have questions, especially my ten year old. She's going to have questions. But are they and aren't I'm, they good questions to have? They would be excellent questions to have. But it's like if you're in the theater. You, you'll have these questions and you, you either don't get them answered on the spot or you wait till it just it just sort of I, I was afraid that they would come out of that with this sort of kind of somehow a blocked experience that like 
like Elder is old enough to understand when stuff is going over her head and also you know, smart enough to pursue things that she thinks will help her understand it. And I think she's going to need a lot of space to process this. And I thought the theater is not the place to do it. You right, right. You were saying it's uh, just yeah, screening uh, at home, pausing at ho- it. Exactly, screening at home, pausing. This at is will. what Ken is talking about. Yes, here. when they make jokes about. <laughs> when, when, yes, exactly. <laughs> when he says the patriarchy is about horses, yes. that is actually a joke. <laughs> Let me tell you what the patriarchy is really this about. This guy is explaining the Godfather in this scene. <laughs> I yes, yes, cellulite. What I could just hear, mommy. What is cellulite? And thinking, oh no. <laughs> She's so becoming part, human. Yes. Part of this is me being an academic parent and completely unable to just like roll off a simple explanation that is that will satisfy the both of us in the moment. But another one is it's just, you know, I think it's it will be important for them to see this. Yeah. And 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 that that sort of tween age is really where yes. you have no idea what's going to leave an impression. So it's it's something that I think needs some guidance. I hope that there are conversations happening with, you know, parents, grandparents, aunts, whoever is taking these young people to see Barbie because boy are they going. Uh, you can see it. They're dressing up just like everybody else. I, I dressed in pink. Did you dress in pink? No, I no. <laughs> It, it didn't even occur why, to me. Why did I do it? Why? I don't think I own anything pink. <laughs> to be I had, honest. A, I had a pink polo. I don't think I have anything pink. I think my husband has a more salmon colored sweater. Um, but we didn't even we didn't have it with us. I, I don't okay. think I own anything pink. Okay. Well. So sorry. I, I wore I should have kicked you out gray. of the theater. I, I could be goth Barbie. That's all right. <laughs> goth Barbie. <laughs> my worry is, is that they're not having conversations as much as they're buying Barbies. Well, well, I mean, if it's anything like at my house, there's a drawer full of Barbies already. I mean, right. this the brand is pre-sold. So I, I mean, think there's I think no better the example of a pre-sold property of, of the movie and yes. the branding is that it's the subversion. It's the idea of like you know what Barbie is, Barbie, oh, Barbie, yeah. Barbie, Barbie. Yes. But if you're in the know, this is Barbie with a twist. <laughs> this well, is Barbie with it's... a with a slight wink and a nod. Yes. And I think. I think that was the the genius of it is that it, it it's such a recognizable brand, but there is also this expectation of like, oh, it's the twenty twenty three. Obviously, people sure. who know of Greta Gerwig, sure. not everyone's going to know of Greta Gerwig. No, that's true. Um, though, in I did flip through your Barbie magazine. Greta yes. Gerwig was prominently featured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As yeah. a big selling point, and and this gets to my issue with the movie. Um, not Greta Gerwig, uh, is that everything around this movie I find to be very disturbing. Uh, <laughs> I find it to be, and the patchiness of it is reflective of that, um, where I think fundamentally, I think we can both agree, Ken discovering the patriarchy and taking <laughs> it back to Barbie land is a brilliant idea. A plus. <laughs> It's funny, it's yes. insightful, it's really clever. Yeah. The 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 narrative thrust of them acknowledging the patriarchy which reduces its power over the Barbies who are all dressed up as French maids. You would have to explain that. <laughs> um like like that that they, someone says like, "Well, once you acknowledge the patriarchy, once it loses you acknowledge its power. the contradictions on which the power sets it, it, yes. it, it whatever that line it, is." That's such a clever like <laughs> philosophical thing yes. and then a narrative thing. Yes. And so and and I was just like, "Oh, this is amazing." And then the the um 
the uh, uh, I'm just Ken, uh, <laughs> one of the most flamboyant uh, <laughs> dance numbers I've yep. seen in yeah. recent memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, D-Day with a bunch of Kens. Can we talk about Ryan Gosling for Can a second? we talk just generally about Ken? Can I? Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the uh, the, um, the uh, Busby Berkeley esque extravaganza that he completely pulls off. I one of the reasons I cannot wait to watch this film is I, I developed a theory about two days after I saw it. I, I kept seeing these pictures and detail that I noticed about the costumes. Ken is always wearing some kind of bag, like a, a fanny pack, hip pouch, something. I don't think Barbie ever has a handbag. Mm. This is a That's minor. That's very insightful. It's and it, oh god, but it says so much. <laughs> when he has his like fur coat on, he doesn't have a bag. Uh, maybe it's under the coat. But anyway, I I, I just if there's a handbag, he does have a fanny pack. He's the one who has it. Yeah, when she doesn't have any handbags, as yeah, far yeah. as I can remember. Like I mean, I, I, every still that I see of her, there's no handbag. I'm thinking that's fantasy right there <laughs> that's that that i it, like it's it's impossible to get my mind around well yeah i mean it's the the, they, there are t-shirts that they sell to like wine moms especially like you know mom is the person holding the bag which is always literally true i mean it's it's like this in my family well, i was I, just I telling just, you, you i need cannot a bag. leave the yeah you keep telling me yes because when you go out with your family who is already carrying one right it's not your kid yet. Get him a little. He has a book bag. Well, oh, he has a book bag. Sure. But I mean, my girls also have backpacks, but do I trust them to put anything like actually useful in there? I absolutely do not. But it, it's just, and when they pick stuff up, mommy, can you carry this? Mommy, can you carry this? And I'm already carrying stuff for myself and the first aid kit and the this and the water bottles and the that. It just, Ken is the one with the hip pouch. Barbie does not carry a bag. Like Barbie is really enough in herself and is just is so is literally unencumbered going through life. That is a vision of emancipation that I can get behind. <laughs> I, did, I did not it pick just, up on that. So I mean it's again, it's a hunch and and if people are gonna, you know, send us screenshots where Barbie does have a handbag, okay, that's fine. But I noticed that Ken always has his own bag. I'm thinking they have done that right. That is exactly how Barbie Land would be. Ken is the one hauling the crap. Yes. He be <laughs> he does beach. This is the future that liberals want. It's he doesn't have a bag on the beach. Maybe He's I think in, he like, does. Trunks. That, he well, have... okay. Well, I don't think anybody does. But like yes. when there are bags, okay. he's the one carrying well, the bag. If I ever rewatch it. So I'll yeah, pay attention look. to the handbags. Yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. If anybody still needs to see it, please let me know how that goes out. That's my big theory. Um, Ken has a very emotional journey. He has more of a, a of an empathetic journey yeah. than Barbie does. To Ken is more of a spectacle. Yes. Ken is more of the self discovery. Yes, I mean, well, I mean, it, it, at he least has more equal. of an arc. More of a he has an arc. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, there's self discovery in both, but his is the arc, and it's um, it's it's more self directed. Um, so that that was really nice. To and see. I and I really liked Ryan Gosling in it. I I, I really like him in comedic roles yes. in general because he approaches things from a very sort of knowingly earnest place. Yes. I I, um, I was concerned that he was too old for the part and I think technically he is, but after seeing it, I can't imagine anyone else pulling it off yeah. with the same skill, commitment, 
panache that he does. He's completely committed. And he's also a, a, a dad of two girls, I think similar ages to my own. And, and he channeled this as well, just sort of got to see them like, yep, this is, this is the role of Ken. This is what Barbie, this is what playing Barbies is. And, and there was there's just this wonderful little snippet from an interview where he was talking about his his girls playing Barbie and one of them is named Jim Class and, and Daryl is the name. of Like they don't, they rename all of the Barbie, which I think my girls do pretty regularly like it's it's not like they're all named barbie like gerwig right, right, which right. is a nice touch but like real play you would refer to them with different names. i did this with my barbies as a girl too so they all had their own different names and, and, but just the story about jim class and daryl and <laughs> daryl works at the grocery store but jim class is working on herself right now <laughs> just <laughs> and I'm just trying to imagine you know, Ryan Gosling like in the living room watching this with like a little you know ethnography notepad <laughs> channeling this in his dance number. It was interesting to see because we also recently rewatched the Toy Story movies mm. and Ken is represented in Barbie in those Toy Story movies and Ken is portrayed by Michael Keaton of all people. Oh god. In Toy Story <laughs> 3 and it's very similar. It's a very mm -hmm. similar portrayal where it's sort of ironic, kind of over-the-top, you know, yeah. kin persona. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was interesting that they've already been kind of building or tracing the the uh, real, you know, the, the comedic potential of that character, uh, even back when Toy Story was coming out. Mattel has it, scrub its hands all over Toy Story, by the way. Mattel oh, I'm sure. Over. They reference Mattel all the time. Of course, of course, of course. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, I thought he was great. Mm -hmm. I, I liked Margot Robbie. Here's what I did. Can I say what I didn't like about the film? Can I be very specific about what I didn't like about the film? Okay. Can I name one more thing that I liked? No. No. Go ahead. All right. All right. All right. All right. What? We're going to do the sandwich. You go, you do the bad thing and I'll talk about the good okay. thing. Okay. What? The sandwich? Yeah. Is that an the expression? The compliment sandwich. I've never heard that before. Start with a good thing and then say the, you know, bad thing or thing are to fix. Are those the two slices of bread in a sandwich? The compliments are the sandwich or the bread and the... The bad things in the middle? In the middle. Who would one want to eat that sandwich? It well, sounds disgusting. It's two nice things in a Tell me what thing. you didn't like about Barbie. This is what I feel like is emblematic of what I, over the whole thing. Um, and it, it deeply disturbed me. Uh, fundamentally, and being very general here, I thought the ending sucked. I really did not like the ending of the movie. I like the third act, that all of what we just discussed, the climax, the resolution, the threat, the the uh, dance number, all that. But the ending into Denouement, I thought, really dragged the movie down. And part of it was, first of all, this human character is completely discarded. America Ferreira and her child don't ultimately matter by the end. Her big plan is, why don't you make another product, an ordinary Barbie? Um, and then someone jokes from Mattel, oh, that will sell. And I went, that's a, okay. That's a knowing joke. Um, what really bothered me is the hip teenage girl who is her daughter, America yes. Ferreira, mm -hmm. is like a rebel, okay? She's like dressed in black. She's got a scowl. She's in the lunchroom. She has a posse. Teenager. She's a teenager-ass teenager. And she <laughs> tells Barbie to her face that you're a fascist. I'm like, I like this girl. She's got panache. By the end of the movie, Colleen... Hmm. We've ignored her character. We've ignored the mom character, except for the mom's nice speech and her coming with a plan and all that. The teenage girl is dressed as a Barbie by the end of the film. Mm -hmm. She has been 
assimilated. She's been Barbie-pilled. She's been Barbie-pilled. Yeah. And that, to me, I realized that was the whole purpose of the film. Well, essentially, yes. And that was very depressing. Well, no, see, I don't, I, I mean, yes, the, there's the corporate she, she, that you she can was her this. own person. No, she, she was feeding the lines from the nineties about how bad Barbie was. No, she was that her own just... person. Now mm. she is dressed like all of these other Barbies. She has not been, she has not been liberated or come to any sort of conclusion no, on her own. Two except... Barbies were dressed alike. I mean, this, this is, this is the shift, right? And this is the shift between Toy Story's Barbie and Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Toy Story's Barbie and Ken are always going to be the stereotypical Barbie and Ken. First of all, because there's only one of each of them. Right, right, right. right? You're not reconstructing society with Barbies, which is more or less what I think a lot of girls get to do now. Anytime you've got more than one, you put them somehow in relation to one another. They're sisters, they're friends, they're coworkers, they're, you know, you know, and the, the, the poor Ken's just sort of, <laughs> they're there <laughs> for whatever they need to be doing. Um it's they can be harder to find at least in in the Turkish market. It's harder to find Kens. Uh, I have noticed uh, because my girls have asked about this. The one that we bought first was um, Babysitter Ken, who is pretty clearly a teenager, like not a grown adult, but yet somehow has to fill all these weirdly adult roles in their role play. Anyway, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I think no, but uh, so th- this trajectory from the Barbie is bad of the '90s with. Again, very standardized talking points insert, you know, sparkled with jokes um, to this idea that Barbie's not so bad. There is this world of possibility. We can embrace femininity and not lose power, which is, again, not something we should take for granted. The femininity is not itself a weakness. No, it's, no, it's, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not, mean, I'm not, I'm it's, not it's, saying that she there's was this, There is this shorthand. No, there's this shorthand that does happen that, that makes it look more boring than I think it actually is. My understanding is like Greta Gerwig started with like a 300 page screenplay and had to... <laughs> Well, really yeah, cut stuff out, and that—that that I think is one of the th- like the what happens to the mom and daughter, is one of the branches of this narrative that unfortunately ended up cut. I think. I'm just saying, like I as a visual, yeah. it's creepy. It's a creepy visual. It's like it feels like I understand what you mean by being feminine is okay. That that character does not go on a journey about her own femininity. I mean, it is literally she has been transformed into a product of this place like you could do a version of this whatever left the cutting room floor where Mm -hmm. some bs thing where it's like uh the daughter and this is essentially what happened but it's done more uh more uh given more time where the mother and daughter they bond over the barbies by the end and then they become in a better relationship after that they could have done that, and I would have been fine with that. It would have been very traditional. There's something more eerie about someone who was standing up, or who was essentially her own person, seemingly becoming assimilated into this environment yeah, it, that I found very unsettling. And then I realized that was what the movie was trying to do. That was the whole reason to have those human characters, was essentially to draw on our connections to the dolls. And I'm not I'm not going to pretend like, you know, they they wouldn't put that in the movie. That I mean that's it's a it's a doll, it's a product. Of it's course all, they're going to do that. It's already 2 hours and 20 minutes. What? It's already 2 hours and 20 minutes long. I know, it's way too long. <laughs> it's, um yeah. but but fundamentally 
it that stuff really bothered me because I couldn't tell where what they because it is essentially that Toy Story narrative. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, it pivots really hard to brand. Yes, in the end, and and, and I didn't that's even really mind where... Will Ferrell as this bumbling like. Uh, uh, who else boss. are you going to put there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I liked his Proust Barbie <laughs> reference. Um, yes. But like. <laughs> <laughs> That's Noah Baumbach's big contribution mostly. <laughs> no, no. I t- it's like them bantering like someone made a Proust Barbie joke and then the other person was like, that Barbie would not sell well. And then they put that in the movie. <laughs> um, but fundamentally, like it, like even it goes, to, and I'm, again, I sound like a real piece of crap when I say this, but like even the logic behind what is happening. Toy Story is very clear. Toy Story, now I'm drawing these connections because it's very similar. You pick up a toy and you play with it, and when you're not looking, the toys come to life and do a thing. In Barbie, it's this convoluted thing where they have to travel across several planes of existence, and there's a magic portal in Los Angeles, and then the weird Barbie is transformed by how they're being played like, I couldn't understand the emotional connection between the humans and the Barbies. I couldn't follow what that element of play was. And I know you're giving me this look, like, why are you focusing on this? Because ultimately, that is part of the emotional connection I meant to have with Barbie herself okay, yeah. and these people who are playing with it. But this, yeah, but this is the thing. I mean, when... You, when you as a person, as an audience member, have some connection to Barbie as a brand, as a doll, that gets papered over very easily. That emotional connection is already there. Right. That's why you're not part of the target demographic. Well, someone says, I think, um, like, don't don't try to think about it too much. I think. Um, no, I'm, I I weird think, Barbie says that. Well, yes, yeah, yes, there is that. Don't try to overthink this. Yeah. But it is. But I mean. It is a movie that expects you to bring a previously existing relationship to Barbie and assumes that it's there. And I do think that if you don't have that, it's going to feel like but can something's I say, missing. To counter that, can I say, I don't have, when, when, and I was a kid, so this is a little different. But when you first, as a kid, when you first watch Toy Story, you don't know that there's a bunch of toys necessarily based off of these characters. But you what? can connect... Like I did. No, not when what I first. What sort of deprived childhood did you? When need? I first watched Toy Story, no one knew how big of a smash hit that was going to be. No did one you knew that. Did you not have was... a Mr. Potato Head? Did you not have one of those little like slinky animals? No. A toy dinosaur. Not a, not the the, the exact. Oh looking, come on. Not exact. What do you mean you thing. didn't know that these were a thing? I mean, the the main characters like it's not Woody a branded thing. It's it's a generic no, yes. toy. Yes, there it's are some generic, generic. There are some generic, but there are also some branded ones, like you said. I mean, but that Mr. Potato Head was branded, probably also Mattel. Not Play School, maybe. I think that was Play School, at least when I was a kid. These things have changed hands. You know, this I did is not IP have a that's... Mr. Potato Head for the okay, record. But, but I mean, my point there, is, there, there are toys that you recognize in with the ones that they invented for that purpose that were generic enough and yet brandable enough that, you know, Woody has become the emblem of Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear has become yeah. the emblem of Toy Story and so on. So I guess, I guess, okay, here's what I'll say. Okay. I did not have that experience with Barbie. Here's what I will say. I fundamentally, when you get to Toy Story 3, and again, this is like a nostalgia baity thing. So it's more about watching the original movies than playing with those toys as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a part of your childhood. When Andy goes off to college and has to bequeath his toys to someone else, it is a feeling of like 
the feeling of playing with any of the toy that you played with. Yes. It doesn't have to be Woody. That's right? true. Yeah. And with Barbie, it never transcended Barbie for me. I never got that feeling. Like, I can, I'm not a soulless person, Colleen. I can get invested in playing with a doll. Yeah. I have played with Barbies before yes. in my life. Okay. Um, not very many, not many, many mm-hmm. Barbies, but mm-hmm. I played with Barbies. Um, so my point is, I, I I couldn't get in tune with that emotional connection with playing with a toy, partially because the mechanics of how this worked, partially because it's Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't really figure out that connection, and in the movie, I think somewhat towards the end expected me to have that and maybe you're right maybe it is this sort of feeling of playing with the dolls yada yada but i don't know i think there is a part of it where when they are just animated um plasticine you know uh 3d modeled objects it's easier to sort of see them as their dolls than to see margot robbie ironically ken looked more like a doll than (laughs) with his weird bleached hair he looked also inexplicably plastic a lot of the time i don't yeah. know if they like you know, i think they had to of... make them up like yeah yeah and real real bad bronzer more and, so than yeah. margot robbie uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, fully she agreed. looked more like fully a real agreed. person yes um yeah, yeah. there's the great bit with her Harry, Harry elmiran comes in and says if you wanted to make barbie look ugly when she was crying then you shouldn't have cast margot robbie yeah. in this role <laughs> yeah um, yeah that, that sort of meta narration um but i guess that is sort of my that's fundamentally and 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 I don't I don't know if you were going to go somewhere else with this but I really did not understand it was so confusing the uh originator inventor of Barbie as mm-hmm. a ghost in was this matrix as this know. matrix reloaded hallway yeah, by the way there's was... another there's a list out there of all the movie references that Greta Gerwig's making and there's a heavy matrix reloaded influence which I was okay happy to, there's a yeah there's a line of and then the uh-huh. obviously the red pill blue pill yes yes uh, with, with the, the shoes first... which is fantastic and I very proudly wore my Birkenstocks <laughs> so that's movie. how you were representing it is oh you, yeah yeah you're wearing a Birkenstock. <laughs> um but it's like and maybe you can explain this to me because Eleven and I were not. so confused. Hmm. Why did she want to become human? What, what, what in any way, shape, or form was that a character motivation, a, a point? And it was all to set up a gynecologist yeah, joke. Yes, which is also a great joke. No, it's not. Yes, it's it a is. bad it's, joke. It's well, the it inserts this dichotomy between Barbie as an idea. And Barbie as reality. Because, again, this is the split that if you can buy the split, Barbie is an idea, then, you know, all the stuff about, you know, bad for body image and your bad role model, like, you're, you're basically putting human standards onto some kind of idea, right? And what she wants but- to do is transcend this idea-ness and really become a human and have uh, that kind of responsibility put she on to her a newsflash she can't she's well she's no. a, she's barbie that's, that, again yes that that's the fantasy of the end is that like if stereotypical barbie would rather be human and have that kind of responsibility put on her but they don't bother showing it's, any of that yeah. it's a gynecologist joke but that, wait, she doesn't welcome do to reality <laughs> that's that not that no that is what that, that i'm means. gonna i'm gonna i'm not a woman i'm gonna stand my ground that is not the only reality for women is gynecologists. It's not the only reality, but it's one that that 
you know, put that everyone the- with that anatomy is going to relate to this. Okay. Really? I, I don't I don't buy it. The camera I, goes in on her eye. It flashes she, to she all these no moments of humanity. No you see the children. She has no and, idea what she's and the, in for. And the stock footage and, and Marco Robbie sheds a tear. And I'm sitting there, I'm going like, What am I supposed to be feeling? What what <laughs> we just had this emotional epiphany. All this stuff happened. You did this great thing with the patriarchy. <laughs> What is this? And you said Barbie to the gynecologist. It's great. No, it's not. It's a bad joke. It You're reminded not, me not of your target in... demographic. Sorry. No, no. Alev for... was with me on this. Ah, uh, well. Several people I know have been with me on this. All right, it's well, that's a too bad. bad joke. It reminded it's me. It's a bit of a stretch, but I don't think it's as bad as no, no, no. It out to no, me. no. You could do. You could do. Her becoming human. All of the things you said. She becomes one of the, She's in the real world. She gets a job. She she realizes all this stuff. It's an interesting denouement where she realizes what reality is. And she brings a little of her, her, her previous Barbie tenacity and intelligence to the reality. And she she's become... And she elevates it. You know, she she's become something else, right? But it's a joke. It ends in a yep. joke. Because the stirrups are the great equalizer, you understand. Of the horse? Oh, I see. Yeah, you don't. You're you're out of your element. Oh, I know. Oh, I know what you're terms. out of your element. I thought it was the reference to the No. Anyway, <laughs> my point is. Although that is an interesting connection. Believe it or not, I have not together. been to a gynecologist. My point what? is. Oh, didn't you go to any of the? I mean, you you had a child with your lovely partner. Did you not sit in on any of these visits? Um, we don't need to get into this. I don't think this well, is no, at all I relevant mean, to the my discussion. My husband has been. My husband would you know recognize my gynecologist on the oh. street. <laughs> like okay, well, that's a fun. That's a no, funny. I mean, like, I, I'm oh just look, saying, honey, like, it's your gynecologist. And, and Let's I have think him she would recognize dinner. him. It's not like he's made himself a stranger, um, especially you know with with children involved. Yeah. Anyway. Like, anyway. Gynecologist banter aside, um, <laughs> it reminded me. There's a movie called Kingsman, which is mm. this like Bond spoof. Right. I know this is a weird point of comparison, and it's a movie about being sophisticated and debonair. Unfortunately, it's directed by kind of an adolescent guy. I uh, forget his name, but he's 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 sort of a he's sort of juvenile in some of his humor. And point is, in an otherwise somewhat sophisticated Bond spoof with Colin Firth being very debonair and all the rest of it, it ends with this really kind of gross anal sex joke. And Eleven and I were like, eh, why would you end the movie? And it's meant to be a parody on something in a trope in Bond films. And this is, and weirdly enough, this is what it reminded me of. It's like, this is what it all leads to. <laughs> this is it. After this sort of ponderous, emotional stock footage of families and birthday parties, it ends with this joke. And then we have this terrible, and I've, I've argued this with some students, it ends with this really bad uh, Nicki Minaj Oh yeah, the sampling song is the awful. Barbie. I agree. Yeah, and I'm I like, did. I tried to listen to it after you left my office yesterday, and it was just bad. Yeah. So this is this Lizzo's is, pink song was much better. It, well, that was kind of fun because it yeah. was meta, but yeah, like yeah. this is where the movie left me, and mm. so I, I kind of I enjoyed a lot of it. I was I was sometimes the as you say the highs were very high. Um, I love pretty much everyone and creatively involved with it. Yeah. I just it it kind of ended on kind of a very kind of uh kind of okay. kind of note for me all right we're gonna have to agree to disagree with that i have two more points actually three more points can i just run through them very quickly and i look I forward think... to reading your essay defending this this, defending this the... ending I, I... well there of course the, the calls for publication in the academic sphere have already started for the barbie movies so um 
Anyway, I'm sure somebody will get in on that. All right. So number one, uh, Gerwig showing once again how well she thinks through music, not just with you Dave know Matthews the big band. Ken. The well, that was the one except. I mean, I see what she was doing. I just that was my. I can't get behind this. But Matchbox Twenty. Yes, that's cool. Yeah. Enormously problematic song. Problematic when it was released. Still an enormous hit. Putting it where she did, how she did, with all the Kens like explaining it was. It was mwah, chef's kiss. Yes. Perfect use of that song. Just fantastic. Yeah, I will. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, second point, my favorite set joke. I think I told you this already. At one point, you see the Mattel offices, like not the executive suite, but like the Which cubicles. Which is directly out of playtime. Exactly. It's yes. very, very tatty. Um, and so you've got the Mattel cubicles. They're gray. They're lifeless. There's nothing fun about the Mattel Corporation cubicles. And then at one point, they're in contact with the FBI because of the breach between the Barbie verse and the human universe. Uh, the FBI has got this very lively, colorful, like worldly, sophisticated decor. It's bright, it's shiny, it's very that. attractive, and it, it's in split screen. You've got you know this gray, dank basement of cubicles at Mattel, and the FBI <laughs> is just bright. It was like what? It's not explained. It's not you know. It's just this one quick moment. Just that. That was a nice formal joke that was put in there that I really appreciated. Um, the third point is actually something um, that um, my friend Dave observed. He came with us. I, I, I offered him to come. I thought nobody else in his life is probably taking him to Barbie. And he joined us, which is very fun. And I was happy to have him there. And afterwards, I, I asked him what he thought afterwards. And he said, in 20 years, this movie is going to be kind of in repertory theaters, et cetera, as a stoner classic. And... I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think he is exactly right. Yeah. I think this sort of disjointedness that we're both talking about is going to lend itself to, like, have your edible and watch the Barbie, and it's just going to be, or just, it's it's going to be one of those things. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, really. once, you, once, you, once you've, you're peaking, uh, you'll get to the I'm just kin moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, you lose your you it's lose your crap. Which, it, it's it's a whole other way to look at the entire um, what operation. a legacy. But yeah, he's exactly <laughs> right. So a that plus that scene with some coming from that's, Dave. At, that scene with the FBI, though, you know, yeah. I was reminded it's followed by a really terribly shot chase scene that feels like it's just there to sell the car that was also branded. Oh God, yeah, the Chevy. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I thought. Barbie does not drive yeah. a Chevy. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Like that's a cross brand that fails. In my, in my, um, fails. I have a racing game. They just added the Barbie Hummer, which is, I think, <gasps> what Ken drives with the Ugh. his pink on the side. They, I, I didn't even know they still made Hummers. <sighs> so this Lord. is this is my problem with the movie. All this branding you're talking about, the advertising it, the it was buy as bad weird as Barbie. I I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. On with the cross marketing, cross promotion. I mean, you expect it to be a Mattel, Mattel, Mattel all the way down because it it will be kind of in inevitably. But the cross marketing, I think, could have been jacked up farther than it was. It's just that yeah, Barbie doesn't drive a Chevy. I don't believe that for a second. Sorry, Chevrolet. Um, well, they sponsored this podcast. I mean, we've lost all the ad revenue. Oh gosh. Well, that, um, that's just too bad. 
So yeah, ultimately, um, a bit mixed on Barbie. Yeah, uh, I likewise, wish, likewise. I wish. Uh, what was you mixed on it? You haven't said anything negative. Well, no, I, I I agree with the formal issues that yeah. it, it screeches to a halt. It's a bit, you know, the highs Gameplay are. I, I bit, mean, yeah. it's it's not like highs and lows for me, but like highs and meh. And I, I, unlike you, I don't see a way around a lot of the meh. I think there are reasons for why. It, these things couldn't have been overcome maybe without turning it into a three hour movie, which you really don't want. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the, the highs absolutely outweigh anything else. It is worth seeing. I would absolutely recommend it to people, but I'm not recommending it saying it's going to change your life. It's not. No, it's a, it's a great way to spend two and a half hours at the movies. Great. Fantastic. Really. It was a great time. I don't know if I'd go that far. I would I, say, I it's, a, it was, I would say and, it's a decent time. And the time. fact that the audiences have really committed to it and are dressing in pink and it's you know, like groups of girlfriends of all ages. I mean, I saw yeah. groups of high schoolers. I saw groups my mother's age, You know, friends taking friends to the movie. It was fantastic. Every single time I was at the movies for anything else, there were these people in there for Barbie. And it was just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew this like in my gut that this was going to be a huge movie. And I mean, the lesson that needs to be taken from this, I cannot emphasize is this enough. to make make more movies a for women. magic eight ball thriller. I mean, yes, this is the problem. Mattel is thinking <laughs> we're going to make movies for all of our toys. And no, you just need to make those movies and put women in them and put women in charge of them. The other fear that I have is that, OK, now that Gerwig has made a billion dollars with Barbie, they're going to give this to a man to direct the sequel. No, of course. This is what they always do with women-led properties. And Catherine Hardwick in Twilight. Yes, they always get screwed over. I mean, I am hoping against hope that it doesn't happen this time. Patty Jenkins got to do two Wonder Women. And the second one was bad, but anyway. Okay, bucked the trend a little, (laughs) but then anyway. But I mean, how much of this is just, you know, other superhero movies also get to be bad and, you know, not tank franchises. But anyway... We'll see what the future brings. They're absolutely going to take the wrong lesson from this and just make the Magic 8-Ball thriller or whatever. Um, to be clear, I'm here for the Magic 8-Ball thriller. I want to know what the heck that is. But yeah, the, the <laughs> producer, the film producer for Mattel or whoever he is, just talking about all the uh, projects. Lena the... Dunham is doing Polly Pocket. Yes, yes. Like, I'm, and I, I, that's a real thing, I think. She uh, well, some, a my favorite one was just, it was someone's, it's just a line that says, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, w- starring Vin Diesel. We that's already it. had that movie. It was um, yes. Del Toro's Pacific Rim. <laughs> yes. Or that other one with uh, Hugh Jackman. There was actually like. Oh, a, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. Which I in, think In was... all but name, that was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You're right. Yeah. Anyways. It's okay. I think, I think. Uh, I, I'm depressed by it, but I think as a movie, it is yeah. There's enough yeah. funny ideas and performances yes. and things in it. Yes, to make it, it has a lot to recommend. It. Yes. it will not change your life, except to the extent that it shows what we so rarely get to see. Yes, and we should not take that for granted. No. Yes. Fundamentally. All right. Um, well, well, Oppenheimer did. Yeah, Oppenheimer of other things that change we your cannot life. Cannot take for granted. Atomic bombs. Oh my god! Yeah. Oof. So I don't know if the order matters. I saw Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. You saw Barbie. I saw Barbie first. And then Oppenheimer. I decided to hold off on Oppenheimer for two reasons. Number one, because IMAX was not so accessible where I was in the States. And second of all, it's like three and a half hours long. And I thought, there's no way I'm getting through this without an intermission. And we don't do intermissions in theaters in the U.S. I thought, we'll watch it in Turkey. At least we'll get an intermission. And it's so relentless, too. Oh, gosh, yeah. I I was really really grateful for for that, like... Yeah, it's just the, you know, you get the 10 minutes to get up and walk around yeah, yeah. and you know, whew, sort of breathe off that first 
And it's basically two movies split in two. Which is my s- problem with Oppenheimer, but we'll get to that. Uh, uh, what are your what is your Christopher Nolan credentials? Well, I mean, I know in like real film nerd circles, there's a, a debate about whether Nolan could be classified as an auteur, and there are argument arguments pro and con. Sure, I think it's a pointless argument. Yeah, um, personally. <laughs> sure um, but but a lot of it really just boils down to you know, how much control does he have and does he end up saying something? I think this is really a, a very strong case for saying something. Yes, yes, yes This yes. has a message that is clearer than anything I've seen Not from him. love is the most powerful force in the universe? God, no. Okay. It's well. it's Yeah. I, I think it, it, it takes a very complex topic, moment, person in history... And really does find something powerful to say about yeah. about so many different things, not yes. just that person, but that Maybe moment too in many American things, history. But... I mean, possibly, but I mean, even though it is three and a half hours, you know, I'm always saying like we need the tight ninety minutes. Like, no, this this is one of the few films that I've seen that is this long, deserves to be as long as it is, manages its time, yes, brilliantly. Uh, can you imagine editing this movie? <sighs> what a nightmare. I'm editing these, you know, cute little rinky dink video essays and I'm just just envisioning all this footage <laughs> and just going it's, through it and being like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, I mean, um, does does he overshoot? No, I can't imagine he's the type to overshoot because he does like. Well, he shoots on epic. film for sure. I, shoots, I, well, which is yeah, which that makes there it was a there process. was some there was some article that said this there will be no director's cut of Oppenheimer that pretty much everything is in the movie, and yeah. I think for me and I don't mean to start off with a it's a negative in a sense but, um, it's I think it is a personal negative. I don't think it's necessarily an objective problem. I, some people have had issue with the length of it. I think it does feel like two distinctive movies mm-hmm. that are thematically both very interesting and they're thematically tied together and they're mm-hmm. thematically surmised at the very, very end um, with uh, Einstein, which is our sort yes. of our bookend. Yeah. Um, but I personally found one of those movies like incredible. And the other movie I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. And you could probably guess which movie I enjoyed more than the other. But I I think that, yeah, in terms of its ideas, um, in terms of Nolan feeling like he has a voice in this, mm-hmm. it definitely, like I'm a, I, I should say, I'm a big Inception fan. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed those Dark Knight movies. Um, I really did not like Tenet at all. Have you seen Tenet? I have not seen Tenet. Tenet is like a just a... Just a high concept yeah. splat on a wall. Wait, I asked my husband if he saw it because he tends to watch that stuff like without me when I when I'm asleep and he can't sleep. And I guess that's how he watched Tenet. He said I watched it, but I didn't get it. I said okay. It it it, it, it feels it feels <laughs> inscrutable to the point yeah. of it being sort of arrogant. That, that was a very common critique of Tenet. Yeah. Um, and not in not inscrutable in a way that is like, ooh, I wonder what like right. this. It, it's inscrutable in a way where it's just kind of boring. Ob- oh, um, yeah. Purposefully um, opaque and really um, cool practical effects, though. I mean, well, that's yeah. yeah I think camera. I think that's really what Nolan is yeah. is that's his calling card anymore. Yeah. The fact that he is such a diehard for analog everything. Yes. So the backwards um, and forward stuff in that movie is really cool. But I, I think, um, uh, yeah, Oppenheimer obviously technically. Yeah, the editing of it is oh relentless. The uh, sound. The sound. And we talk about the sound design. I mean, I'm not sure that I have much to say about it, except the Oscar for sound is in the bag for this movie. Like, I don't even... 
there's no competition as far as I'm well, concerned. some people were were upset by the constant score especially at the beginning but that's the thing i've heard it's, that it, yes it, it, it especially in the beginning it sort of is in places where it might not need to be but i think by the end when you know he's talking again with einstein at the whatever pond at princeton <laughs> and there's nothing yeah yeah you know i mean it does end up being there to counterbalance these other moments where when there's nothing, you pay that much more attention. When the, when they do the test yes. uh, it just, bombing, yeah. oh my God, yeah. some a-hole in the theater oh, no. was, like, was like saying like, why is it quiet? <laughs> why is this, what is happening? And the guy was like, shut up. This is like a pivotal moment. Well, yeah, that's just, the, that's just, the thing. You can't let it can't yeah. let it breathe. Meanwhile, yeah. I, I was holding my breath. Yeah, it's relentless because it yes. needs to underscore the silence where yes. we have oh, the yeah. silence. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And and the silence is very sparingly used, but extremely effective. So what is what is Oppenheimer about? We're getting into the nitty gritty. It's in the name. It's Oppenheimer. <laughs> Wickham. <laughs> He's a man, um, played by Cillian Murphy, who I've been a fan of since uh, Red Eye, a movie that no one has talked about or thought about. Uh, Red Eye, My directed by. Likes that movie. Good for your. Uh, this Wes Craven, Pete. right? Yeah, like, we should do a double feature of Crank Two, Red Eye. Crank Two, and Red. I did <laughs> Red Eye. Red Eye. Red Eye's fun. Red Eye's a silly little B movie um, with Rachel McAdams and Cillian Murphy, and. Uh, and uh, he's he was really good in as the scarecrow in those Batman movies. Who's the who spreads a fear toxin? If you can imagine Cillian Murphy as a creepy psychologist who spreads a fear toxin, not too far fetched. Oh gosh, yeah, that foreshadows other things in Murphy's career. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, you've not seen the Peaky Binders, Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Blinders. I don't, I don't know. Peaky something. Uh, who is done by your showrunner man? Who did My that other that other show that you like? Taboo. Yeah. I know, uh, Tom Hardy's in it. Apparently. And I know it's a success. You know how I know Peaky Behunders is a success? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got like 12 seasons. It's got like 12 seasons and they made a VR game based off oh, of it. Oh, Which wow. is weird. Yes. Huh. So you can immerse yourself and talk to Cillian Murphy. Uh, in... Does he do his own voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I thought it was cute. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, no, No VR for Taboo where you're... Walking into a swamp. You could do like a "You <laughs> Are There" in... for you know the War of eighteen twelve. Anyway, why not? Um, so what is this? What is this nobles. film about? Um, thematically, I did make a couple of notes. Red it's, tape. It really well. It illustrates a number of cliches that absolutely apply to this particular moment yes. in U.S. history and are just as applicable to the current moment. Yes. Yes. Um, it's this. This. You know, the scientific cliche of people too busy asking whether they could yes. to really interrogate whether they should. Yes. that's That to me is the whole thing. I mean, you can see where the science of it, like, can we do this, just totally yes. obliterates any sort of... Or, Into or the H-bomb he starts, stuff after And then that, he yeah. starts, like, playing 12-dimensional chess with his own moral compass. And, and you just, <laughs> at a certain point, you just have to say, like, no, explain to me. How can building a bomb ensure peace? Well, like, well, that's it, his justification. Is, yeah. Exactly, that's his justification. But it's just at a certain point, you're just like, and everyone, everyone in the auditorium's like, <laughs> they're like, sure, <laughs> yeah. It just, it, yeah, it's just overthinking. It is really gonna like, like just, just take it back, ratchet it back. Just single dimensional chess is complex enough. We don't need to be layering all of this into it. It just. 
I mean, you can see how he has to lean back on cliches after the bomb is dropped. No spoiler to say the bomb is dropped and how that's portrayed in his own subjectivity is really, really something. That That's but the best But he, he gives this speech and it's full of these awful, just patriotic cliches and it gets the crowd going and it's just, he has nothing else to say it's just you know the japanese didn't like it very much and it's like he's he can we, you know he I, has, I don't he's mean without to... words so all he has are these awful cliches and so i mean we, yeah. we it, it relies on this it really really argues for this like we should be very skeptical of these <laughs> anytime we hear them because it's covering something that is monumentally terrible um and the other thing about oppenheimer as a person is with this you know could versus should What's interesting to me is the beginning really takes its time in showing how Oppenheimer is a guy who should know better yes. because like they, they show how he manages to learn enough Dutch in six weeks to give you know a, a talk on quantum physics. Um, he's reading Sanskrit in the original. He has this sort of humanistic side to him that is widely curious, very well-rounded, is interested in all kinds of different things. And that also sort of falls away once the science takes over and once he gets embroiled in politics. And it, it and he loses once he loses that grounding, that also kind of contributes to this snowball effect. Well, there's the great moment where um, Matt Damon takes the bombs away. <gasps> yes. And oh, he, you got it, Bill. You, you Just let your, us figure yeah. out how to use it. And you can see in his face like that he knows he's screwed up. <laughs> he knows deeply how badly he has screwed this up. And so it is. It's this hubris of thinking, like, because I built it, I control it. Yes. Oh, gosh, no, you don't. It's, it's about how little you can control things, even if it's something that, you know, comes from you or your team. And this is the other thing. I mean, this this dynamic between the individual and the team yeah. is crucially important. And that comes into play with the second movie, which I'm assuming is the one that you thought was a little more eh. Um, <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's still interesting. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. yeah. I think it's meant to be a... You know, it's meant to be this sort of, you know, step down from that intensity. Um, but in that, it's a little bit like that ending of, of Psycho. You know, we have the psychologist coming in to explain what has just happened. We have the politicians coming in to explain in real terms the repercussions, specifically for Oppenheimer, but tying this into how the whole process was carried out. And also, and also like the, the great thing that Eisen. Einstein says, which is like mm. they they're not going to have these parties for you. Yeah. They're going to have these parties for them. Yes, and and the, yeah. the just sort of discarding of you once they're done mm -hmm. with you, um, or using you for their own political ambition. Yes. Yes. Like in the case of Robert Downey Jr.'s character, sure. what, what was his name? Kraus? I forget his name. Something like that. Yes. Um, who he was great. I want to say very much sort of like Barbie. Weirdly enough, just weird, like really lots of stars everywhere oh yeah if you have seen a dude in a movie yes. that dude shows up in oppenheimer <laughs> or, or or olivia thrillby you don't know i think that's her name you don't know who that is she's one of the scientists i think she's a wife who becomes one of the oh, okay yes um, like they asked I've me to her. type they didn't teach us this at yes. princeton <laughs> or whatever it was yeah um one of the safety brothers uh yeah i I, um, I have to say i love see it's like that's a safety i get so excited <laughs> <laughs> that guy made uncut gems <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, but the, the, yeah, just a lot of randomly great people, uh, Gary Oldman, I don't really want to spoil who he's ah, playing, right. he was great. 
Um, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh for half a scene. Niels Bohr. Um, no, he he shows up late, and he has one of the best lines right. at the beginning. And I mean, the beginning really also shows, um, it, it portrays academia, which is, again, like I love that stuff. And so it gets into like university politics in a way that I found really interesting. But like, Niels Bohr has this fantastic line about math and music. You know, Oppenheimer's very insecure about his own abilities to do math. It's like, hard relate, buddy. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but, you know, Niels Bohr comes and gives a, this lecture and you know kind of sees something in Oppenheimer and just tells him look you know it's like music you don't necessarily have to read it but can you hear it and it's the same thing with math and physics like if you can envision this like let somebody else help you with the math and that is sort of part of the reason why he has this team like they're there to fill in these things and it's a wonderful I mean I can just see Wickham this is sort of the, the downside to something like Oppenheimer being such a big hit some MBA somewhere is already writing the management through Oppenheimer Oh like God, hundred page guide. Just build and a it, city in the middle. It's going to be. It, it's it's not going to understand any of the bad parts. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be written like eighty percent of it with Chat GPT. But future MBAs are going to pay like ten bucks for this in, in paperback, and it's just that part of this. Like, like you know, you talk about there brand, hasn't been as much cross branding with, with Oppenheimer. No, but I can see how this would happen in Though, like the worst possible way. And we and, can talk about the 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 meme. Did you look this up that I told which you about? Meme? I think it was intended to be a meme. The 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 I think it's Warner Brothers or some PR firm somewhere posted a tweet of Barbie hanging out on Bob uh, Oppenheimer's shoulder and an atomic bomb going off oh, behind right. them. Oh right, and they they used and, this in Japan. And you the said? Ju- the, well, it Which... was a it was a it was a it's Ugh. on the internet, Colleen. You realize it's well, international. Well, okay, but I mean, and uh, Japan they did not appreciate that and they boycotted uh, Barbie because of that. Yeah. Well. But did I tell you you did not know about this, nor should anyone. Some <laughs> so other let's savvy put it on the internet. Some other savvy PR person noticed that Saw X and Paw Patrol are coming out on the same week, so they came up with Saw, Saw Patrol. Patrol. So this is what I find very depressing <laughs> about life and the world that we live in. See, but that, anyway, I think that one is more pure humor. Okay, you think you don't yeah. think anyone's going to rushing out to see No. Paw Patrol. Um, but the the I want to get back. Um, I want to talk about the 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 speech that he gives. Oh, the, after after the bombs. So have I, not, I, I want to briefly say, what is your experience with atomic bomb? I mean, did you, what? <laughs> that's a strange question. I was born in 1980. Okay. Uh. Um, I watched. I, I was in a documentary class as an undergrad, and mm. I watched a documentary about the victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I don't know if it was specifically one of those towns that it was filmed. It was a film that was, uh, I think, on record. I forget the filmmaker, but it was banned. It was boycotted, or banned, not boycotted. It was banned in the U- U.S. because mm-hmm. it was It's mm-hmm. one of the most harrowing films yeah. I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Just the people slowly dying, the, the, sure. the, the, the people who are ash on the side of a on a wall, this going around the devastation. God knows how these filmmakers got this footage, um, uh, much less how people would would survive in these situations. So I'm a little bit, I mean, most of us should be, I should say, sensitive to this stuff. Um, And so when when Oppenheimer, um, obviously, you know, I'm not, I I, I can't say I've experienced anything like that firsthand. Um, We recently had this devastation in Turkey. So I guess being close to certain 
types of devastation more more recently, but like uh, Alev was saying something to the effect of why wouldn't they necessarily show some of these things? I felt like that might have been a little tasteless. I don't know. I think so too. But I, I also yeah. understand that it, they there's a part where they're going through slides of it and Oppenheimer's just not looking at it. And so the camera's not showing what the, the slides are depicting yes. as the after effects yes, of it. Yes, you see the crowd looking and not what they're looking but, at. Yeah. But, Colleen, yeah. I do acknowledge that speech scene... <sighs> Is one of the best things, I, and this is a weird point. I'm not, I'm not going to make this point of comparison. It is one of the best things I have seen in a movie in recent memory. I was mm-hmm. I was hyperventilating. Yeah, I was crying. It was terrifying. It was it was like in uh, the same time, and I don't really want to spoil exactly what happens, but no. the usage of sound. Yeah, the it's, it yeah. gives me cold chills thinking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And and you can't even blame the people necessarily who are cheering. Mean? Oh, the yeah. Because they're the not going getting worked up. Yeah. But they're being worked up and they're also not being, you know, drafted and going out to to no. die either. No, and they weren't implicated in the creation right. either. So you've got Oppenheimer sort of occupying that intersection. Just and... just brilliant filmmaking. It re- yeah. And it and important yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. And and I and I and and that to me and that but the problem is that comes about that's about like two two thirds of the way into the movie and then there's a whole other third. But that to me is what Oppenheimer is. I will I will remember that moment. Mm-hmm. And they they've they highlight it so often because you hear the, yeah, the foot the stomping yes. and it's sort of traumatizing sounds yes. that he Yes. And in general with Oppenheimer, the thing I really appreciated about it from a Nolan's filmography perspective is I really enjoy Inception. Inception mm. though can be a very very much like Oppenheimer to a certain extent. It's a very, you know, talky, dialogue driven, yeah. expository yeah. film about what Men dreams, talking movies are machinations kind of specialty. Yeah. Even Marion Cotillard, who's this, you know, femme fatale. She's the, she's the ethereal She feminine, also manages yes. to explain what the heck's going on occasionally. I'm like, why are you why why but Oppenheimer has these flourishes, these weird little flights yeah. of fancy mm-hmm. that I, I was I was like, wow, Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buddy old pal. No. With the, the Florence Pugh bit in the in the um that was that was that, that was something. catches you off guard. Sure and, does. and that particular and the other scene and and I should say he does try to do the a similar bit in the um because essentially most of the movie takes place in this sort of like conference room, yeah. like really banal looking conference room. Yeah. And they try to do a similar sort of sensory overload thing in that conference room. Just once. Toward again, the end. Yeah. And it doesn't quite it's, hit. It, well, I mean, it's not meant to yeah. be the same intensity. Yeah, yeah. But I think, he, really I think he is trying to ratchet it up because it, this is sort of our climactic confrontation well, yeah. slightly. Yeah, but, but I mean, um, it's not meant to compete with that earlier. No, 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 no. At, at well, it all. can't. It, it can, no, no, nothing, <laughs> no, way no, no and can. nothing could, and nothing yeah. should. And I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's the, it, this film did get a lot of flack, I think, from critics for not representing the actual day. Yeah. There's no way to do that yeah. justice. It's going to feel like an afterthought if you do it. Um, and that, but that speech scene oh, does God. a good job of of. You know, I know. I don't know how you. you a bit I don't know it. how you see that and think that that you know it's missing from the movie it's not missing it's it's all over <laughs> what's being represented it defines and what's some there people could see in that way and i think alev took issue. i saw this with alev i saw barbie with alev too but she she i think took a little issue with oppenheimer in front of 
like America, American flags going rah rah, sort yeah. of in the first half of it. And I, 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 I took that as being completely intentionally sort of um, not anti-patriotic, but certainly commenting on the irony of of you know. Well, that like him, yeah. he's like he's like he's like representative of American patriotism yes. in that moment, and yes. it's like I don't know. Well, and there's if this so is... much. Going, I mean, they talk about this with physics as a field. Yeah. It's like and and you know how especially like you know the the you know Jewish physicists had been basically run out of Europe um, because of the rise of Hitler. Yeah. And you know they're coming to America, but then that causes all these other issues about patriotism. If, if America is at war with Germany, and you've got these you know, Jewish people who are also German citizens. It's like this question of divided yeah. loyalty. You've got this notion of communism. And they did a really interesting job um, of showing how that was integrated into university life at the time, you know, the Communist yes. Party and how that functioned and what affiliation with the Communist Party meant at certain moments and what that meant with politics with Russia. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it just, it's got its tendrils into that entire yes. mid-century of American history. In in ways that I found surprisingly nuanced for as glancing these references could be. I think it really just captured a lot of this. Um, but yeah, we got all of these. Yeah. Um, the one thing I can definitely moments. say that I thought was thematically interesting, and obviously it's a very dense movie, a lot of tendrils, yes. as you say. Sure. The thing that I found very compelling from an Oppenheimer character perspective, because I think the, the first movie, which is this sort of flawed ambition, if we can do it, should we do it? Mm-hmm. Um, the testing of the bomb, the speech, um, that to me was completely riveting and incredibly uh, intense and, and interesting. And then the bureaucratic angle with him debating with Robert Downey Jr., that was a different slice of Oppenheimer's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I found, and maybe not as psychologically compelling, um, but I thought that this notion, though, that Oppenheimer enjoyed the martyrdom of it. They keep... Referencing there's, that, there's, yes, and, that, his, and his wife keeps telling him, "Don't be don't, there." Yeah, she's he, exactly the yeah. level of petty bitch. We need more of those kinds of people in life. I was rooting for her a hundred percent. Emily Blunt, yeah, yeah, as Kitty Oppenheimer, just like yes, yes, and their relationship and how that dynamic yes. developed was, yeah, it was great. But but just the idea that he wants to be flogged to absolve himself slightly, yeah. It's, it's so it's so some of that it's yeah. so dark yeah and, I mean, um, and and she's exactly she's like you're taking the fall for everybody yeah, yeah. it's not like you did this alone right and so it does it pulls into question this like lone genius versus the team and, and just all these other questions that we talked about i would love though speaking of kitty oppenheimer as a character i would love to see a film about this era from her perspective much like in theory of everything we sort of see like the wife's perspective it's actually based on her memoir um, but it also gets into Stephen Hawking and so on. Um, we only really get a shorthand here for her domestic misery, but also her, you know, admirably unfailing support for her husband through a whole lot of stuff that she just gets dragged through, which she carries with such intelligence. It would be really interesting to see um, that kind of thing, much like uh, um, Sofia Coppola is doing uh, a film about Priscilla. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we just got Elvis, and now we're getting Priscilla. Kitty Oppenheimer should get her own. Uh, perspective, I think. Did you, th- did you think really that the interesting. female characters were given short shrift? Yes. In this? Yes. Uh, uh, does this film pass the Bechdel test? I don't believe it does. I don't believe it does. I don't believe it does. Um, I mean, the characters are are it's they do well. It's fine, but I mean, it, it is a dudes talking in boardrooms movie. One <laughs> other note about though the dudes. Uh, I got to say, um, 
mid 20th century menswear is not exactly known for its capacity to distinguish people from one another. And yet I was never confused. Costuming was impeccable. Casting was impeccable. I always knew which dude I was looking at, even if I couldn't remember the name, like just that's incredible for the size of this cast, for that sort of, you know, homogenizing. Well, Remy Malik sort of stands out. But well, anyway, but, but I mean, and yes, some of this is star casting, but others it's like, oh, it's that guy. Like the 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 jerk prosecutor. This is uh, Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that guy. The actor is Jason Clark. Yeah, yeah. He was also the torture advocate in Zero Dark Thirty, as it oh. happens. He also happens to be Australian, which is an interesting. Well, Kate, Casey Affleck was also uh, <gasps> channeling brilliantly his, used his killer inside me, sort of oh. southern menace. He was terrifying. Yes, he was terrifying. I mean, why are they still casting Casey Affleck? Is a whole other conversation. But I mean, that evil side was brilliantly used. Um, the guy at the center head of the table played the U.S. president on Scandal, the TV show Scandal. Oh, I don't um, know that. Yeah, uh, so that was a real nice one. But, I mean, the fact that you could differentiate all of these characters. Uh, Han and Solo yet, was like, there. Communicate. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Aldenreich, something like sure. that. Some, yeah. With it a twist. With it a twist, yes. Um. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be able to do something more exciting oh, than that. At some point. Yeah, I, he was also quite good, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, was he good. had a... And Robert Downey Jr. was was great. He yeah. was he was good, but I think he's getting a bit overpraised for the role that he had. Wow. Personally, I, <laughs> he was, but he was good. I mean, everyone was good. Everyone comes out of this movie quite well. I I mean, there's no failed performance. I think. Yeah, Cillian um, Murphy was. I mean, the was M- great. MVP is Murphy, of course. Yes. He's got the most to to carry. He's um, got the eyes. And, the, the, and the the camera right in his the face dread for all days the time is just, just his face. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and you know, the screenplay was written in the first person. Did no, you know I this? No. So Nolan wrote the screenplay, adapted it from um, this biography, yeah. American Prometheus. Um, so also the best adapted screenplay is probably also in the bag. Um, but he wrote it from Oppenheimer's perspective. Like, I did this. I go here. I, you know, see Florence Pugh naked in a chair. I'm like, whatever. It is, like, whatever. It's first person in a screenplay, did which is catch, quite, the, quite the choice. Did you catch that it's implied that Florence Pugh was murdered. Yes. Okay. Not a lot of people caught that. It's and, very. And this is, it's it's and like this is a, why it's like, she was calling him to yeah. kind of help her out of the situation, and I, you know, being clueless, dude. But is it trying it's to a keep very, It's a very and, short. It's a very. It is. It's really. Yeah. You see a glove. Yeah. It, yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah, point. It's pretty, uh, pretty I'm, gruesome. Uh, yes, but anyway, sorry to get on that. But Florence Pugh is there. Um, she's there yeah looking se- i mean she doesn't have a whole lot to do except look sexy which it's florence Pugh. of course she's gonna do yeah, it she did, so she, 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 fine yeah um yeah let's, let's hang out in a chair um the uh yeah i thought robert Downey jr the thing i can definitely appreciate but i saw i did see in an imax mm-hmm. you, you were dealing with imax being sold out yeah there are a few dead pixels um so yeah. it wasn't the greatest but it one thing I can definitely appreciate is a lot of giant heads. Yes. A lot of giant male yes, heads. Yes, yes, yes. And um, you really could uh, appreciate a lot of aspects of their performance and the finding the focus of them. Yes. <laughs> finding focus. But, but literal and figurative. Yes, yeah. yes literally. There, there is a whole lot of shallow focus and, you know, lens them, work. Them and, going in and out of focus. Yep. Um, but there's like several performance bits that I was like, ooh, that's a, an interesting choice. Like yeah. when Cillian Murphy is ashamed that they are giving the child to this friend he kind of darts his eyes. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm a terrible. And he's like, oh, I'm, yeah. we're so ashamed. We're so mm-hmm. ashamed. And then there's a part where Robert Downey Jr. is arguing with him, 
with his he has a scarf and they're sitting at this nice table mm-hmm. and he's across from him and he like chokes up talking about the the H bomb and why it's important. He sort of like catches what he's talking about. He catches in his throat, and that's a nice contrast to the calm and collected uh, Oppenheimer in that situation. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's it's damning of him because it's like you should be more emotionally invested in why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Oppenheimer has his reasons. Sure. Um, or the great bit where he's like, um, uh, Robert Downey's like, my you know son-in-law and his wife want to meet you, and then Oppenheimer just kind of goes, hey. Yeah. And then he goes back. He goes back <laughs> yeah. to his drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did appreciate, yeah, every performance in it, pretty much. Um, I, I like Emily Blunt a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a She's it's great. a great movie. I, I think yeah, the, the the more psychological, the more first person stuff mm-hmm. um, from that script that he put into the movie, even even if it is from Emily Blunt's perspective when she sees uh, him and Florence Pugh in that boardroom. Yeah. I I, mm. I respond to those sort of surreal flourishes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that Nolan should do that more. I think it, it was very, every time, most of the time it was done was very effective. I think so too. I just top to bottom, it's, this is, this is a hell of a movie. Yes. Really. It's great. And to see it on the big screen, which we always say with Nolan, but I mean, this is, yeah. given the subject matter and the formal choices, it, it is worth seeing on the big screen. Yeah. And, and just to appreciate it, it, obviously, technically, it's and the, yes. the sound quality. God, the sound! Shout out to Ludwig Göransson. Yeah, um, the Swedish. Uh, so it's not um, Zimmer. Ha- it's not Zimmer, um, which I was surprised by. But Ludwig Göransson also did Tenet, also did Black Panther, won the Oscar for the score for Black Panther, Venom. Heck Vail yeah, Station. Venom! Heck yeah, Venom! <laughs> Not the second one, but the first one, oh, I guess. Okay. Um, did some Star Wars, which I didn't even realize that anyone but John Williams was doing Star Wars. Um, also co-wrote This Is America with Childish Gambino, what? a.k.a. Donald Glover. Apparently, yes. Gorenson, he's 39 years old. He's Swedish. Um, makes me wonder what the heck I'm doing with my life. How would you Looking co-write at his filmography. This Is America? Oh, well, he did. It's so, it's so <laughs> um, speaking of first person, it feels yeah. so... Yeah. Personal. I mean, he, well, I mean, I don't know what role he played in that collaboration, huh. but, the, but yeah, I, it's, you know, Gurrenson, I'd say he's going places, but he's already arrived. Yeah, he's baby. there. He's but there's holy, holy crow does a real bang up job with this. Just sound design generally, the score in particular. Aces. It's pretty good. Aces. So, well, this so gets, good. This just gets us to the $4 million pointless question. Uh, which movie did you enjoy more? <sighs> Enjoyment is a tough sell for Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I really, I mean, I, I, I mean, dread for days. Dread yeah, for days. Yeah, the, the ending shot. Oh, dread for days, which has been memed. <laughs> yes, already. <laughs> it's a perfectly good memeable. It is a, shot. A, there are so many memeable shots in Oppenheimer, but the thing is, like, you see them in context, and you can completely forget about whatever silly memes have stolen them. Um. Anyway, it's I think it's important. I think more people and outside of the dumb meme culture, it's an important movie because I don't yes. think people recognize the the horror of these sort of world ending. No weapons or just just this this insistence that, you know, the world that we have now is different. This this we have entered a new era. Yeah. Which brings us to Asteroid City, which we'll talk about in our summer rundown. Um, yeah. But that to me is 
truly the double feature that you want. You want to watch Oppenheimer and then watch Asteroid City, I think. And then take a long bath. Uh, to, and then just check out for a couple of days. <laughs> Come back to watch Barbie. Um, no, but I think if you if you only have the budget to see one film on the big screen, I think it should be Oppenheimer. And if because you have of the kids, formal. you if watch you have, Barbie at home so you can talk yes, to them about I it. Yes, I agree. If you have kids under 13, I think... PG-13 is exactly the correct rating for Barbie. Um, be prepared to talk about it with your children. Um, go in with that mentality and you should be just fine. Um, Barbie's absolutely worth watching. But again, like unless you've got a big posse together dressed up in pink or whatever you want to celebrate, like that's a great way to go see Barbie. It is not a good way to see Oppenheimer. No. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to me that these two films with such completely different vibes come out the same weekend both of them do well over what anybody had guessed. Oppenheimer yeah. is also doing gangbuster business. It has beat Barbie at the box office at Turkey. I have to say, Turkey's one of three countries in the world, my husband told me, three countries in the world where Oppenheimer bested Barbie. Turkey is one of them. Thailand is another, and he couldn't remember the third one. And I couldn't find it online when I went to look it up. So I don't know what his source was. But I mean, like mentally that checks out. You know, Barbie's just, you know, going probably Japan. Probably Japan, interestingly. Uh, but if they decided not to, you know, deal with Barbie after that ill-fated yes. um, marketing ploy, um, I can't say I blame them. But yeah, yeah. And there's probably a better movie that would deconstruct the horrors of this from a Japanese well, of uh, course. perspective. And as it well. shouldn't be an American making that right. movie. Right, I mean, that's right, the right. thing. I mean, I guess Eastwood had his letters from Iwo Jima, yes. and, and like it's it. People have tried, but I mean. When you do that, it's you don't add it into a movie like this just to sort of say that you did it. It, yeah, it doesn't I'm I mean with there's you, yeah. there's something to be said for that kind of integrity. Like you're making this movie from Oppenheimer's perspective. perspective and, and it's he, complicated. And it's not exactly, exactly. And of course we see we see it. We just see it through his filter. And it's troubling. And it's it's not that he's shutting it out. He can't. And that's part of the point. Right. And that's part of this, you know, new world. And we've turned this corner. And God, now what do we do? Kind of dread that we're left with with this movie. And that's what, you know, that what we're left to contemplate. So, yeah, it's it's a really important film. Very much um, like Barbie in that way. Well, we're left to contemplate the dread of society. You've never had to dread a gynecology appointment <laughs> in your life. Just admit it. <laughs> No, I yeah. have not. So Barbie's got some things to learn. Okay. Whatever. What if what if um it ended with Oppenheimer going to a gynecologist? Would you have appreciated that in the context of No, as no. a matter of fact. Again, we're we're going at things from his perspective. What does he have to to lend to that? Mm. I, I look forward to seeing I mean that's it goes without saying what these filmmakers do next. Of course. Apparently Greta Gerwig's on to Narnia. Oh, I heard about that, yeah. yeah. I don't know what Nolan... They already did films for that. I, don't I know, know what I saw gonna... them. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. It's okay. There's a CGI yeah, it's, uh, tiger yeah. and lion. Tilda Swinton is one of She's is... the ice queen. Yeah, something like that. So there you go. That's there a reason to see it. I, I don't know if uh, she's going to cast Tilda Swinton again. Um, but uh, anyway. Anyway. I, it was an interesting... It's an interesting time. They saved the movies. Oh, God. Movies it's been are a great back. summer for movies. T totally back, baby. Stay tuned for more summer movies. Yep. Right after these messages. Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't go no. to it. That right. is our episode. <laughs>
You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Buchanan University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Buchanan Cinema Society on Instagram at Buchanan Cinema. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditongorj. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tylan Akul. Our theme music was composed by Dazi Ozovsky. You can check out his music on Spotify and wherever you get your fine music. This episode was recorded by Batuhan Buldu. Thank you, Batuhan. Edited by Tylan Akul and produced by Tylan Akul and the Bilkent Cinema Society with extra teshekerler to our tech wrangler, Özcan Akar, who we hope is having a wonderful vacation uh, as we are recording today. Um, do you have any special thanks for us? Wicca. Oh God! There's so much pressure. We're so back in the pressure. studio. Life is happening. I would like to give a special thanks to you, Colleen, Aww. for taking time to record more episodes of this this illustrious <laughs> oh, for not, podcast. For not resigning from the podcast <laughs> for your for your many uh, 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 off and ons with Oppenheimer, trying to get to see that in the theater. Oh um, yeah, it, it took longer than I had anticipated. Sorry about that. I guess I'm just, I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Thank you. As am I. Thanks, Wickham. Thanks, Wickham.